I am Kristen McDonald. And this is Keontae. And, and this, this is, is the, the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is episode two. Welcome back. Thank you for riding along with us. Thank you for listening and sharing episode one. Um, we've been getting a lot of great feedback from that. Um, yeah, actually, <laughs> we have from friends. Yeah. And everything, so. So, of course, we're back here with another episode, episode number two. Um, what would you like to talk about today, Bay? Well, first of all, let's talk about how good your podcast voice is. Like, what? I don't really like, have a podcast voice. This, this, is, is, this totally is my normal voice. A, this is not your normal voice. This is totally a podcast voice, and I love it because it's so tailored perfectly to podcasting. I just Girl. feel like it's great, you know? I'm just a great orator, number one. You okay, know, I do Mr. a lot of poet. I do a lot of poetry, you know. Um, I exercise my lyrical mind and rap here and there. I oh do a little music, gosh. you know. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just a great speaker, you know. Yeah. Also, back in college, like I took a public speaking class and man Pull them credentials, baby. Pull well, no, nah, I mean, that class was just really <laughs> eye opening for the simple fact that like I'm just comfortable with like speaking in front of people. But public speaking is really a number one fear for people. And it's crazy. I remember we had to do like a group project, <laughs> like where we all had to speak. And I had this guy on my team, bruh. When it was his turn to get up, he Did was he literally. Did he cry? Pretty much. He was literally like turning red. He would start shaking and he would talk and he'd be like, okay, wait, give me a second. Like, oh, poor it's thing. really like people really have like this phobia of speaking in public and i just think is that, that it's just so interesting because not to say that like when i'm doing poetry if i'm on like stage it could be whether it's three thousand people or 20 people like I, I get nervous here and there but it's just it, it feels natural for me to be on stage and speak in front of people okay but i well, just maybe you'll be the president i mean I, we ain't gonna go that far but i'm just messing with you i'm just messing with you um so let's get into our segment. So our first segment is marriage. And I've been floating some names. I'm kind of thinking of calling it the okay. forever segment. What do you think about that? That sounds good with me. All right. So uh-huh. this is the forever segment. Oh, my gosh. The poet <laughs> voice. I love it. Okay. Yeah, you know I mean, so we I came up with the topic for this. Um, um, the topic is something that's uh, near and dear to me this week okay. and in the past couple of weeks. And so it's a grief in marriage. And mm-hmm. I say that because, um, as some of you may know, my oldest brother passed away from pancreatic cancer. And he was, mm-hmm. he's, he was 20 years older than me, but he was still my big brother and he meant so much to me and I loved him so much. And so I have been grieving a little bit. And so I want to know from the husband's perspective and the one who's not grieving right now, but has grieved in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think? What, what comes to mind when you hear grief in marriage? Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just, um, carrying the burden. You know what I mean? Um, well, what I mean by that is that when you're in a marriage as a partnership, like this is a team. So, of course, we're two individuals that come together to make one unit. Uh-huh. But, you know, in the vows of marriage, you know, one of the vows is for better, or for worse. Yes. And, you know, us as individuals, we still go through things individually. You know, we still, you know, have human experiences individually. Right. And so especially like in a time like this, but dealing with grief. Um, you as a spouse, you as a partner, um, if you're not really going through that, you know, what I mean, because, you know, uh, you know, Troy is my brother in law as well. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of grief there for me. But of course, for you, it's different because that was your biological brother that you grew up with. Yes. And for me, I just had to really step back and just tell myself, like, this is my time to really carry your burden. Meaning, you know, meaning like I just got to get up under you. Like I got to hold you up. Yeah, I got to hold you up. I got to do my best to really meet your needs and even do the little things. I was just texting one of my homeboys uh, earlier today because he was asking me like, you know, how are you doing in this, you know, in the grief process with, with, you know, with what you're dealing with? Uh And I was just telling him like, man, I'm just trying to stay on top of just like doing the small things. So like. I, I'm still waking up and going to work, so I try to make sure, like, at least, the least I can do is, like, 
get the kids clothes out. I might not be able to fix them breakfast because I'm leaving crazy early before they're up. But, you know, just getting their clothes out, getting like socks out so they ain't got to look for them. Things of that nature. Today you had a zoo trip. So I had need to, you know, I want to make sure that the car was clean. The car was gassed up. You had the stroller in the car. Yes, for her husband that gasses up the car. Um, Yes, for her husband that had the stroller in the car. Yeah, like I I put the bag in there. I filled up all the water bottles for the kids. Yes, for the husband that filled up the bottle of water. <laughs> and you know i mean like he that, really did make everything easier for me and i really just appreciate him so much you know and so yeah you you just want to carry the burden because you want to make life even though it's chaotic it may be chaotic at the moment you want to try to ease the regular activities of life as much as possible yeah you know and you just also got to learn to be and that's just you know that's just a small part of it but another aspect of just carrying the burden is just being emotionally available like you know, yeah. your spouses, they're going to go through crying fits. They're going to go through fits where they just want to talk. They want to vent, you know, and it's not really, you know, I mean, you could offer advice and you could try to offer comfort. But for the most part, it's just like listening. You know, you need a listening ear. They need yeah. a listening ear. They need a shoulder to just cry on. Um, and it's yeah. emotional, you know, your spouse, might, your spouse might even get a little cranky or, you know, have days where they're kind of like defensive or something right. like that. Or don't want to talk. Yeah, and so you it, just got to put in your mind that this is just a process and you're serving. Yeah, and it's also important to to not necessarily assume what your spouse needs. And this is in no uh, shot towards you, husband. But I'm saying like, um, you know, you could ask what your spouse needs. What can I do for you today? What can I do to to make your grief or make your burden lighter, you know? And so I think that that is really important. So, um, anything else you wanted to say before I update on how I'm feeling and how I'm coping with grief and marriage and all that? Well, I mean, no, that's a, that's a perfect segue. Yeah. So like, let's, let's get your perspective. Okay. So, well, I just kind of want to update on how I'm feeling. And so, you know, it has been a roller coaster of emotions for me, you know, from feeling numb to feeling a flood of emotion to feeling, like uh like you said angry irritated uh, mostly though it's been feeling like dreamlike like mm-hmm. like i'm in a dream and i'm watching myself play out in life and so at this stage though it's only been almost 2 weeks i think not even 2 weeks i think it's only been like a week or i'm not even sure yeah. but at this stage nothing is the wrong answer to be truthful and so um i think that as my, as the griever, it's important for myself to communicate my needs and wants. And I know I mentioned like, oh, you could, you know, a man or, or whoever can ask what, what the person needs. However, I can also communicate what I need, you know, like, Hey, this is really helpful. This will help me. This will help lighten the burden, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. my first little statement. Second, um, Like, I think that when you face a loss that is close to you, like a, like a sibling or a parent or a spouse or a, you know, whoever, whoever's close to you, then I think that sometimes you could feel like far from God. And Mm. why I say that is because, you know, the pain sometimes is so deep. You're just like, not necessarily how could God do this? Because you know that this is a world where, where, you know, bad things happen, good things happen, and, you know, once sin entered into the world, that's it. But anyways, so you can feel far from God, but I was, um, I started this grief plan, and I was reading this scripture that said, God is close to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And so it also made me think of the footprints in the sand poem, which everybody knows, you know, and the, where, where there was only one set of footprints, that's where God was carrying them. And so I just think it's important to remember that, you know, that God is close to me. It's important for me to remember God is close to me no matter what. And he's close to the brokenhearted and he's there. Even when I don't feel him, he's there. And since we live in an evil world and, you know, Satan is here to to divide and conquer. So it's it's like it's so like him to make you feel like you're far from God in one of the times where you feel the lowest. And so anyways, I just thought that was profound. And, you know, I'm not going to preach a sermon or anything, but I just thought that that was profound. And it really helped uh, shift my perspective. And so I've been shifting 
slowly from really down and out, like, how could this happen? Why, why, why? To knowing my brother's in a better place, number one. To number two, knowing that God is right there. Like, he's just mm-hmm. so good and he's just right there. So that's, um, you know, it's there's going to be ups and downs. It's not all over. And I'm not just in this positive mood. But I'm just going to have to remind myself that. And, you know, I want to task my husband to remind me that God is close. Yeah. I mean, just really, this whole cycle is, is really just a process, you know. And it's a, it's really a first for both for both of us, you know what I mean? Like, you know, her dealing with, with the loss like this and then me me dealing with it, you know, in part, you know what I mean? Um, her just being a younger sibling on the receiving spectrum and then me, like, with all my siblings, I am the oldest. Yeah. So, you know, it's just an interesting process and a cycle to really just, you know, view and evaluate and just go and navigate. through. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but like I said, it's, it is a cycle and it is a process and... All we can do is just take it one day at a time, you know, and my advice for anybody that might be going through something like this is just to, you know, remember patience. I think it's so easy to get frustrated, especially with us, like, because we have three young kids in the mix. You know what I mean? So we got three young kids in the mix. Kids don't let you grieve, by the way. (laughs) We got those. We got the kids. You know what I mean? We just have our normal day to day, just marriage in general. Um, you know, I'm still at work and work has been kind of frustrating for me. You and know, I'm as prepared to go back to work. Yeah. So, you know, there's just life. Life is just happening all around us. Yeah. And, you know, life is frustrating at times. And especially you at the frustration of just regular old life and then trying to navigate that with be, the the timidness that you want to the timidness that you want to present in this grief process um and it's just you know it's it's a real like i said it's a real process but i would just say just to remember patience in this like i said earlier you know your spouse they might seem cranky or they might seem you know not talkative or you know distant or standoffish but you know it's just as you're processing this and trying to figure it out they're on the same receiving end as you they're just trying to process it and figure it out so yes it's really teamwork yeah, I agree with all those things. Um, okay, so I guess we could segue into our next segment to something lighter, okay. something easier, friendlier. And so our next segment is our parenting segment. And I thought of a name for this. Tell me what you think, mm-hmm. if you like it, or, you know, we might have to go back to the drawing board. This is only our second episode, so it might change. But I came up with Roots and Bloom. Roots and Bloom. Do you need me to explain mm. that? Go shoot, shoot for it. Go ahead. I just feel like you know, as parents, you're the roots, and of course, God are the roots and the foundation of our children, mm-hmm. and then they will eventually bloom, depending on what you water them with and what you give them. I mean, you could bloom weeds, huh. or you could bloom, you know, beautiful flowers. You could bloom trees who bloom more apples and everything. And so I thought it was kind of profound, and so. Based on our parenting is what we're going to bloom. Okay, that's 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 good. I mean, in a sense, it's like you know, that's poetic. It's just you know, a lot of metaphor in that. So yes, yeah, roots and bloom is cool. I, I can rock with that. Okay, so, so what you got for us? I have two topics today, and so we could do either one. Um, it's kind of both in the same because parenting, I feel like, is just one big topic, anyways. Yeah. But the topic is gentle parenting. And the other topic is unspoiling your kids. Should we tackle both of them? Should we do some mini? Because mm. you know, I could I could talk forever on both, but maybe we'll just do mini of both. What do you think? Now let's let's just go into gentle parenting because I think this is that's this I got a lot to say on that because I think out of just out of just learning how to be a parent, this gentle parenting stage, us coming from being nineties kids, this is just different. Okay. So let's first talk about how you were parented i'm a 90s kid i'm a 90s kid that was raised in compton by a single mom that has seven kids she has seven kids she had matter of fact with them seven kids she had twins in the mix so that's enough to make somebody go yeah i don't really gotta get vivid with like how my parenting was but you know i mean my mom did the best she could like my mom wasn't like a you know she wasn't like a terrorizer, like no like crazy abuser. Matter of fact, the one thing I always uh, you know commend her on is that 
her being by herself with all of us in a city like Compton, I am surprised that she didn't turn to drugs or like alcohol or Amen. anything like that. Amen. And that's just like it blows my mind because, like I said, she had all of us, and I got three. I got three, and I'm tripping. Like I'll be like I'll be I'm driving home. Like should I stop for to, to get a little drink? <laughs> oh my gosh this is kids, for somebody who doesn't even drink these so kids extra. is crazy <laughs> but anyway but yeah so i mean that's my upbringing my mom was you know she had to not only deal with just raising us and like you know us just being crazy kids especially like me and my my little brother um that came first but it's not even just trying to raise up sons to be men but she also had to raise us in this city and you know kind of protect us from like you know the violence and stuff that was still going on in a in the early 90s um so she was you know she was strict where she needed to be um she was a disciplinary parent yeah i mean of course like she not only was uh we not only were we raised with her and her discipline but my mom was raised by my great great grandma as well who was from back down south in mississippi so she had disciplinary you know views as well Mm -hmm. um but all in all like i said we we're all here today Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I got a successful 13 year marriage, my own kids, my own home. Uh, my little brother under me, he you know was a you know a veteran. You know what I mean? College graduate. You know, got a got a job, a good paying job. So you know, I, I think we're all just doing well um, with what she was handed, the deck of cards that she was handed, and the way she had to play it. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's how we were raised. Okay. What about you? So how I was raised was I was the product of basically two different kind of parents. One of my parents was really um, strict, 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 and uh-huh. lots of consequences, punishment. Um, and my other parent was um, basically a gentle parent before there was gentle parenting. Hmm. And so I was the product of both of those parents, and today I'm the product of both of those parents. And so um, people hear the word gentle parenting and they think something negative automatically, especially people who were raised in the 90s like us. (laughs) However, um, and people who were raised before that. So I'm going to go a little bit into the parenting styles. Do you know what the parenting styles are, the four of them are? I mean, you're the psychologist of the bunch, so of course (laughs) you probably know them. You probably got to memorize Yes, I do. Do you know any of them? Um, I'm just curious. I don't know the name. Nah, I don't know the names. I, don't, I just took girl. I just said this is psychologist. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just checking. Okay, so anyways, like my husband said, I'm the school psychologist. So I have a little, you know, I have a little expertise in, in behavior and parenting and all that good kind of stuff, you know. Um, and so the four types of parenting styles are permissive parenting authoritative mm-hmm. parenting. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Neglectful now. parenting and authoritarian parenting. Yeah, so you just got Sam so my you know my my memory gets jogged, but oh, Yeah, see, gosh. I don't know off the bat like that. Now ask me about like I said, ask me about a certain design file. I can tell you the difference <laughs> between a TIFF and a JPEG, about. you know what I mean? So Yes. And so <laughs> The parenting that we want to be is called authoritative, which is gentle parenting. So Mm -hmm. authoritative means that basically you have a balance of discipline and you have a balance of love. That's all that it is, essentially. And so an authoritative parent basically works with their child to come up with the solution, number one. Authoritative parent has clear boundaries and clear consequences with clear expectations, clear rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. An authoritative parent has open communication and a lot of the consequences are natural consequences. So it's not necessarily, Oh, let me come and hit you. It's more so, listen, you were throwing a tantrum in the store the last time. And so this time, you know, I don't even feel comfortable with you going to the store because you know, you, you don't know how to uh, act in the store. And then it's coming back and saying, listen, this is what we're doing. So this is how you're supposed to act in the store. So that's an authoritative parent, basically. Okay. So you teach them, you go anyways, they stay home, and you come back and teach them. Or maybe you take them for a short amount of time and you teach them the whole way. This is how you act in a store kind of thing. And you keep going until the problem is solved. So that is essentially what a gentle parent is. And a lot of people misconstrue gentle parenting 
which is authoritative, as permissive parenting. Mm -hmm. So permissive parenting is that, let's say your child throws a tantrum and you basically just give the child what they want. Or you say, stop that. Don't do that, please. You know, they're there. They're there. Where an authoritative parent is like, hey, we're not about to scream in the store. If you're going to scream in the store, we're going to have to leave. Mm-hmm. That's an authoritative parent. A permissive parent is just buy them the candy, just give them what they want, stop it. Let me. There's no rules. There's unclear rules. There's unclear expectations, and so oftentimes a child is confused. So, do you see how gentle parenting is not permissive parenting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I get the difference. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go over the one our parents were. Our parents were what you call authoritarian parent. So this is parent driven that there's very strict rules and consequences and punishment. So not consequences, it's punishment. So you do wrong, you get this. You do wrong, I'm going to pop you. You do wrong, I'm going to pinch you. You do wrong, you're going to be grounded, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's one-way communication, so it's really considers only what the parent wants. What the, what the kid wants doesn't matter. That's that you're better seen and not heard or... I don't care what you want. You don't have an opinion. You're a child. Okay. And so, you know, we've all heard That's those basic kind of statements. 90s. Right. Basic 90s. Basic 80s. Basic but they 90s. don't care about the social, emotional needs of the child. They don't care about basically anything. They just care about what they want and what rules they want you to follow. And not they don't even necessarily teach you what they want you to do. You're getting punished and sometimes you're not being taught yeah. what the appropriate response is. So instead, <clears throat> don't throw a tantrum in the store. Smack. You know, you you uh, get a bad grade, you get grounded instead of tutoring. Hmm. You know, you uh, you yelled at the teacher. I'm not even going to find out why we don't yell at adults. We don't talk to adults crazy. So that's authoritarian parenting. And the last parenting is neglectful parenting. That's a parent who just don't care about nothing. They don't care Mm, what you do. They don't care. There's no consequences. There's no rules. There's no love. There's nothing. It's just neglect. <laughs> that's the parent. That's the parent. That's the kid who you ever had like that one friend that's just like outside all the time. Yeah. And it's just like they, they be spending. Yeah, they nothing. be spending the night at your house. Like it was your. Is your parents looking for you? Right. Like, exactly. So yeah. So what know. everybody should be is what everybody should strive to be is authoritative, which means you come up with solutions with your kids together. I'm just going to reiterate. Mm-hmm. You come up with solutions with your kids together. You do a lot of teaching, clear rules, clear expectations, and there can be natural consequences and consequences. Um, but you want really those natural consequences, those consequences that make sense. You know, when your kid is having an issue coping or, or throwing a tantrum, okay, Maybe you could take a break for a few minutes, tell the kid, take a break for a few minutes, and then um, we'll come back and we'll talk about what we can do. Your kid is refusing to go up. What can you do? You help them upstairs. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see that you don't want to move and take a break, but mommy knows this is what you need, and so I'm going to help you up the stairs. Now, I can't let you destroy things if that involves you standing in front of the door so they don't bang on the door or holding them for a second so they don't destroy property. Now, an authoritative parent is not a punk and they're not permissive. So that's where people have to really, you know, you know, not get all crazy and not get all, oh, gentle parenting needs weak parents and kids need whoopings. That's not necessarily true. It's truly not. Yeah, and I, you know what? Like, when I think about, you know, our how our parents raised us in the 90s um and then like how our parents was raised i i think the one key element of that is that they feel that you know where you said like well they you know they don't even teach you they don't even teach us nothing they just kind of tell us what to do and i think that it goes along the lines where they feel that they were raised that way and i they turned out i turned out fine yeah. So I'm going to raise them like that and they'll be fine. Yeah. And I think it really goes into because, you know, I kind of had that same outlook too. like, you know what I mean, like I got I got whoopings and, you know, and this and that and I'm I'm cool. But now we're, you know, us, our generation, we're kind of we're really ushering in like the mental health aspect yeah. of life. Yeah. And, you know, like I have a therapist, you know, and I talk to my, my therapist and what I'm really learning is that you know our parents back in the day of course like especially in the black community like mental health and 
talking to like a therapist or a shrink that was looked at as taboo in the black community. So, of course, they just going to think like, yeah, well, I got whoopings and, you know, had this kind of like borderline abusiveness and I turned out fine. But it's like, right. really, did you? Right. You know, there's still some trauma involved in that, that you're just having a blind eye to and you're thinking that it's OK. Yeah. And also you have to think about how you felt in that moment. Like, you know, even as a kid, like when you were getting hit or yelled at or, you know, all those things, you have to think back to the shame and the humiliation that you felt. And even mm-hmm. if you did wrong, sometimes you didn't even do nothing wrong and they wouldn't even listen to, you know, to your explanation. But, you know, you did feel a lot of shame. And also like that authoritarian parenting, it uh, creates rebellion in kids. And not only does it create rebellion in kids, but it breaks the relationship in kids. Every time you you demand a kid to do something and every time you strike a kid or belittle them, then it breaks that relationship that you want between you and your child. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of times you don't realize until that child is an adult and they don't want to come around a lot or, you know, they they ain't even thinking twice about moving uh, across the country away from you because they like Mm-mm, there's no relationship there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not that a kid should have to be living right next to you, but you have to think like, you know, that um, you want them to be independent, but you want them to also have a healthy those healthy roots at the end of the day okay and so yeah and the permissive kid they turn out you know sometimes they turn out pretty lazy they don't want to do anything for themselves they just want mommy's love and mommy's guidance that's the kid who you know can't leave the nest they can't Mm. figure it out they can't leave the nest and or the kid who's just so selfish so that could turn out a couple of ways and the neglectful kid we already know neglectful kids those are the kids that end up as serial killers and you know seriously that end up committing those heinous crimes the kids who who have to work hard 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 to come against some of the stuff that their parents um you know yeah their parents did well i'll say this man i'll just keep it short and sweet man um it's been a process and it's been a journey um doing this 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 gentle parenting yeah, I mean, I just have to continue to get over the the thought of like you're a punk. My no, not even that I'm a punk, but oh. just like allowing my kids like to express themselves, yeah. which should be natural. Yeah, but like healthy. I said, we come from the yeah, I mean, I come from the land of like ain't no talking with my mama talking, or if my mama right. tell me to do something, I just do it. Ain't no like opinions given. You know yeah. what I mean? And so just giving them the room to like have an opinion or say or you know say stuff or whatnot it's just it's, it feels foreign yeah and but you working know, through it is just yeah it's been a process i was gonna say too that um sometimes people take the whole gentle parenting thing and run with it as oh my kid has to be able to express every opinion on everything nah. ever and that's not necessarily true so there's a time and a place for things and you could easily say listen i understand what you're saying however mommy said this or daddy said this, and this is how it's going to be. When we're done with everything, then you could try and explain to me and we could maybe reach an understanding. But when you have time and you're not crushed for time and and you, you know, you have the mental capacity to be able to discuss with them and to reach a common resolution, that's what you need to really do. But yeah, so anything else on gentle parenting before we switch to uh, lifestyle? Nah, like I said, it's just, again, I think patience is the key word of yeah, this, of this, this podcast. podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, man, like I said, just having patience, which, like, I had to talk to, I had to really have a talk with August uh, yesterday. Uh-huh. August, is, like, he was having a little bit of trouble, so he had, like, for me, he had lost one of his privileges. I told him, like, when we get home, like, you're not watching TV. Like, TV is over because he was really having a hard time listening. He kept bothering his sisters or whatnot. After I, after I gave him, like, three chances, I told him on three separate occasions, if they say no or if they say stop, leave him alone. So, anyway, he got to the last straw, and I told him, like, okay, that that's it. You just lost your TV privilege or whatnot. So, then his response was, okay, well, I was at my grandma's house, and I, I was watching TV over there, so I watched TV over there. So, you know what I mean? Like, now that, you know, that type, but, you know, that type of response, now that, that elicits another response because now I got to break it down to you like, okay, what I'm telling you right now is what I'm telling, I don't, 
We ain't talking about your grandma house. And if you really want to get that far, I can give a call to your grandma, who's my mom or whatnot, and tell her to have you in the room somewhere where everybody else is having a movie night if you really want to get that deep. You yeah. know what I mean? But then at that point, it's a power struggle. Yeah, but but like I said, he needs to know, like, just because I give you a consequence, it's like kind of like the, oh, like, my dad said I can't have it, so I'm going to go ask my mom. She'll say I can have it. Like, no, boy, I didn't, I, I gave you, you got a consequence, and your first thought in your mind shouldn't have been, well, you know what? Yeah, you saying I can't watch TV here. I'll just go to my grandma's house, and I'll make sure I watch TV there. Well, actually, <laughs> I think, I, you know, I kind of beg to differ, because to me, that's really critical thinking. He's thinking about the different possibilities he has. Yeah, he's wrong in the sense where you can call, you know, um call your mom and tell her that he's not watching tv but it's important to realize as the parent you automatically have the power you know just because a kid is talking back or or trying to say something crazy or you know it's him trying to take take what he doesn't already doesn't have control he's a child at the end Mm -hmm. of the day and so really what that is is him trying to gain get a little bit of control back and saying hey you know I could at least say this, and then not only am I controlling that, but I could make dad mad. So essentially, you, he's controlling the narrative, and that's what a child, you know, child, children who don't have any control, they want some kind of control. But um, you, how I would have handled that as a school psych is, okay, so he's bothering his sister, mm-hmm. but you're... But you're on the way to his grandma's house. Wait, I missed that part. Or no, was that, no, no, no. Or that was just something else. He just brought that up. Yeah, he just later. brought that up. We was on okay. our way back home. Oh, okay. So he's just thinking, oh, I'm gonna go to grandma's, <laughs> and grandma should be a safe haven. But okay, so how I would have handled that is, hey, you seem to be having trouble keeping your hands to yourself. I've already given you three warnings. I think it's best that you go take a break by yourself upstairs. Number one, that's one way you could handle it because, you know, he can't keep his hands to himself. So let's go isolate. Let's have some some time where you could take a break, blah, 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 blah. Then you come back down and you talk about how it's appropriate, appropriate touches and and appropriate, uh, you know, interaction, appropriate play. Another option is to basically um, have him do something for his sisters instead. So you're being a hindrance, a bother to your sister. So now let's do something um, to be helpful to our sister because we don't want to be harmful to our sisters, but let's do something helpful. And since you, let me t- let me help you get some helpful hands, basically. Mm-hmm. So helpful hands uh, pick up our sister's toys. Helpful hands make the plates for our sisters. You know, whatever, whatever it is. And so those are really more so what natural consequences are. Uh, taking the TV away, no, I'm sorry to tell you, babe, but that's technically authoritarian parenting. Mm-mm. Gotta make them understand. No, that's uh-uh. a, no. See, that's what I'm saying. That's where that patience come but, in. Like, I ain't got no, time for that. But that's when the, no, you do have time because you didn't have anything to do that day. But that's where the change and shifted mindset. And you have to remember that you're growing. You're not raising children. You're raising future adults. And you want adults to, you want adults who challenge things that are unnecessary. You want adults who have a voice. You want adults who are not afraid to speak their mind. But you want adults who are also respectful. You want adults who can know when it's, what is helpful, how to rectify a situation. And so by taking away his TV privileges, you didn't teach him anything, unfortunately. Except, uh, now I'm mad because dad took away my TV. I don't like dad. My, my relationship is broken for this moment in time. I didn't mm-hmm. learn nothing. And so all you had was an upset kid. And I'm not picking on you, but, you know, it's just interesting to think about. And it's something that, you know, you can think about. And so we just have to shift our mindset to how we were raised into the the more positive mindset, into the things that are really going to impact and affect the children. Mm-hmm. Well, that's still a work in progress. Yes, it's still a work in progress. And, you know, I'm still a work in progress because, listen, I could get hyphy, too. I could get, nah, I could get, I could get crazy, we, we too. We in the Bay? <laughs> I'm ruined. <laughs> so our last segment is our lifestyle segment, yeah. and I'm playing around with a name. This is really mostly your segment, but I do have something I kind of want to say today. But um, this is basically I'm, I was thinking of like the culture segment. Okay. You know, I don't know what do you, if I don't know if you like that name or not. But oh, that's not, the name, the culture segment or culture segment. Nah, you gotta, if you gonna come up with nice names 
for the other ones, you got we gotta work on this one. Okay. okay. We gotta come up with something Better. catchy for that one. Okay, so not the culture segment, just the lifestyle yeah. segment for now. So I know you probably have some topics, or maybe you don't, but I just went to see the Barbie movie. Oh, okay. And you have not seen it yet. No, nah, I haven't even got. A, I haven't got a chance to even go to the movie theaters from the last, the, our last episode of the movies I talked about then. But you know, I plan to go. Well, Barbie's not number one on my list. Oppenheimer's on, is number one on my list because Christopher Nolan is my so you're favorite the director. Oppenheimer part of Barbenheimer. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Nolan is my favorite director. So. Oh my god. Gotta go check out what he's doing. I don't know nothing. I, listen, I don't know any of the actors or actresses, so this lifestyle segment is not my cup of tea. But I hope you. I'm are. just gonna talk about the debate part. So hopefully this podcast comes out thursday that is up to my husband who does no it's it's coming out thursday our podcast will come out every thursday okay listen he committed (laughs) i didn't say it people you heard it you heard it from the man himself but anyways so um i went to the barbie movie with my friend Brittany, and it was great and um what was great about it wait not what was great about it i that was kind of like a filler word you know like i just said it was great but let me get into it get into what i was going to say so i saw a debate on on uh facebook instagram tiktok basically some of the people are saying oh this movie is not a kid movie and this movie has a feminist agenda and a political agenda and you know all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's inappropriate and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the movie's rated PG-13. My husband already said it was not necessarily a kid's movie. Now, do I think that you could take uh, kids to see it? Most of the stuff, it was very minimal things that were, like, just out of control. The movie, um, the theme of the movie is basically, like, uh, pro-women and um not necessarily feminism because feminism is really for equality for all is what people don't understand people think feminism is just i'm all for the woman you know it's just wants equal rights for everybody essentially so anyways it does have a, a feminist tone to it and if you think about it though it's barbie like come on like barbie is not for men you know what i mean like there's ken dolls but it does have a a very pro-woman tone to it and um it was just, it, I don't think that it was necessarily so bad that you have to prevent your kids from seeing it. I just don't think that they will understand the story of the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's where um, where I think that it's not a kid's movie is because it's kind of deeper. Maybe if you have like a smart 11-year-old or 12-year-old or 13-year-old. But if you take a little kid, they're just going to see Barbies having fun and they're not going to get it. And they're just going to think it's great, though, because they see real-life Barbies having fun. Um, it does say the word penis in it and the word vagina, but it wasn't, she just said that she didn't have a, he doesn't have a penis and she doesn't have a vagina. That was it. That was literally 10 seconds of the movie. And so to see people focused on that was just wild to me. Um, overall though, it was a good movie. You know, it has a good, it has a message basically saying that, um, basically it just flipped the roles of men and women. Like women were in power in the Barbie movie and um, men were in power in the real world, like how kind of the world is today. But yeah, so overall, though, I think it was a good movie. If you're into Barbies, you'll like it. If you're into like, you know, uh, pr- like, you know, seeing women in charge and stuff, then you'll really like that. And I just think that it did have a positive message overall. Okay. So, yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my little tidbit. I know you haven't seen it, so you probably don't have much to add, but you should totally go see it. <laughs> I'm no, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna see it. I mean, like I said, this is not a top of my list. Like, I mean, now I do the the director of Barbie because, like I said, even even though I ain't seen it, I I know my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the director for the movie, her name is Greta Gerwig. The, she's the director and the writer. Um, she's done movies like uh, Lady Bird, Little Women. Um, so she already had like she has a tone and a feel of of the type of movies that she makes. Um, and I think she's a pretty good pretty good director. But um, yeah, like I like I said when I remember when the movie first got announced. Like I said, me when I mean like when I say I'm a cinephile, I'm not just a guy that's just like oh they're coming out with a Barbie movie, you know what I mean? And like oh I saw the trailer. Like no, I remember when they announced it. I'm following up on who they got, who what's the casting looking like, 
who they got right in the movie, who they got right in the script. You know what I mean? What's going to be the treatment for it? You know what I mean? So on and so forth. So that's why, like, when we first talked about it, I was telling you, I was like, this Barbie movie is not going to, it's not going to be like a child movie. Like, you're taking, like, this is not like the the audience that went to go see Little Mermaid. Like, you take that same audience and they go see Barbie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like that. But I knew that before, you know, any of the trailers even came out because I just knew what the movie's going to be about. But... Oh no! Um, I like, like I said, I like Greta Gerwig, um, and I like the casting that she actually had in this Barbie. Um, Margot Robbie. I mean, Margot Robbie's a she's she's a she's a good actress. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna bag on her and say like she's just a horrible actress and nothing like that. Um, I think she's a good actress. We, you know, most people know her from being like Harley Quinn, or she was in was Focus. Was that the Legally Blonde girl? No. Oh man. That, oh my no. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm not a Legally Bond is Reese Witherspoon. Not a that was the mom in Little Little Fires Everywhere, that Hulu show we watched. Mm, well, but anyway. <laughs> no, they don't. But all right. Now I got to look them up. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> back to what I'm saying. Um, I think that she did a good job casting-wise. Like I said, she had, Gail, uh, she had Margot Robbie. Um, you had Ryan Gosling as Ken. But then, like, some of the other Kins and the other Barbies, like, Issa Rae is in there. I believe she's the president of the Barbies in there. So, you know, she has a mix a mix of um, a lot of uh, great cast, casting and a lot of great actors and actresses, um, which would make it for a good movie. So, but so all in all, like, is this a movie that you, like, recommend? Like, how do you, like, when you think about your favorite movies, like... Is it up there like a favorite movie for you? Like like oh if it came on streaming you'd watch it again? Barbie? Yeah. Um or was this kind of like a oh I'm about to go see that and that was fine. I don't watch any movie twice, so how many times have you seen Waiting to Exhale? Waiting to Exhale is different. That's not a movie. <laughs> that's that's not a movie, that's real life. Oh, okay. <laughs> but other than that, I don't watch any movie twice. Would I watch this again? I'm gonna t- I'll probably take Autumn to get it to see it because she's not gonna get it though. She's mm-hmm. not gonna get any of it, but I'll just take her to see it because it's a Barbie movie. Okay. All right. Well, you know, be on the lookout for my uh my take on it when I see it when I see it in its, in its all its glory but like I said my next movie's next on my list is um Oppenheimer I'll catch Barbie you know just to see this talking about and then I'm waiting for this movie called The Creator with uh John David Washington who's Denzel Washington's son um so I'm really waiting for that right. but uh for me on my lifestyle segment um our cultural events man um I don't. We'll see what happens if anything has changed by the time that this podcast comes out because he still hasn't accepted the offer. But I want to talk about Kylian Mbappe, and if you guys don't know who that is, Kylian Mbappe is a black soccer star. Um, he's he's a soccer star in France right now. He plays for PSG, um, which is a French soccer club. Um, but if you if you remotely even like get into soccer a little bit, I'm sure like we all watched a little bit of the World Cup last year. Um, last year, France they went up against Lionel Messi, um, who you know is considered the like goat of soccer right now. Um, and Killian, he's a young guy. I think he's only what 24. Um, so yesterday, I mean, last the last World Cup, he went head to head with Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi, of course, won. Um, but you know, Killian stars is on the rise. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're pegging him to be like the next guy, pretty much. His nickname should be killing him. Okay. Killian. So (laughs) (laughs) no, that's, 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 that's a good nickname. That's a good nickname. (laughs) But so now the story with him is that right now killing Mbappe like I said he plays for PSG which is a which is a French soccer club and the if you know his con- the way his contract is set up for this year he'll make about 72 million dollars um in his contract so you know when you're an international star in soccer it really pays well but here's the kicker this man was offered essentially a 1.1 billion dollar contract from a Saudi a Saudi Arabian soccer club trying to court him. Now, part of this 1.1 billion dollars is that 336 million would go to the club that he's a part of right now, the PSG, and it would act as a transfer fee for him to be able to come and play for the Saudi Arabian team. And then the rest of that 776 million dollars 
That's what they want to give him for one season. One year. Let, let's put that into perspective. Other than Lionel Messi, like I said, who's kind of like considered the GOAT right now, there's another soccer star named Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, now, before this contract came up, Cristiano Ronaldo, he used to have the like richest soccer contract, um, or richest sports contract there was. Mm-hmm. And I believe his contract was a guaranteed like $600 million or something like that for a span of 8 to 10 years. Killing Mbappe is going to make... Essentially, a billion dollars for one season. Now, why I wanted to bring this up is because the craziest thing is, is that is he married? Uh, he's not married. Like I said, he's he's, he's a young guy. He's twenty four. He's single, ladies. Go and get him. I mean, he all the way over there in France, but yeah, that's okay. The France ticket is nothing to a Billy. Um, but bruh, <laughs> so the craziest thing that happened today is that like so now since that got announced, like you know the sports commentators are talking about it and you got some sports commentators talking about well i don't think he should really take the money because essentially if he was to take that money and go to the saudi arabian league it's not what they call the premier league the premier league is a is the league that he's a part of right now so that's where like the good competition is and in essence it's like if you take the nba right you have the nba you have where lebron steph curry and Giannis and to continue Giannis Antetokounmpo play, right? Oh, man. That word was kicking my butt. That word was tearing you up. Giannis Antetokounmpo. So you have where all of them play, right? That's the NBA. That's That's the cream of the crop. But then you have the NBA G League, which is like the little brother of the NBA. And who even knew that existed? Let's yeah. be for real. Well, yeah, I mean, people know who the G League are, is. Well, if you if you follow sports, but that's like kind of like the develop. That used to be the developmental league. So it's for the players that like developmental. That sounds different. Yeah, well, it used to be called that. It used to be called the D League, but then they, you know, they did some marketing and, and re- renamed it to the G League. Um, but anyway, that's the league where, you know, like it's, it's players that could potentially be professional playing in the NBA, but they're kind of not there. So they're getting just reps and playing time in the G league. You know what I mean? To, you know what I mean? Kind of build their reps up and get some looks, but anywho, so if Mbappe was to go to the Saudi Arabian soccer league, pretty much essentially they, they said it would be like him playing for the Harlem Globetrotters. Because literally, dang, not the Harlem Globe. Yeah, trotters. literally, like there's no competition <laughs> there for him. Oh, and that's not. okay. Just collect this money, right? So with there not being any competition, people are saying, "Well, he's already making seventy-two million dollars, so that he's is not." It is kind of greedy. Yeah, so they're like, "He's not hurting for money." So I think he should just, for the sake of competition, he should just stay where he's at, you know, and continue to try to be the best player that he possibly could be. I'm here to tell you, I don't care if I was making seventy-two million. Or two hundred million. If somebody comes to me and says they want to pay me seven hundred and seventy-six million dollars for me to play for them for one year, I'm gonna take the one year. So I'm twenty. Basically, he's saying he'll do something strange. Not change. even strange for a little piece of change. But also, people are. What about the what about the laws and stuff in Saudi Arabia? I don't know about that. They be I heard people for seven for, for seven hundred seventy six million. I will stay in my hotel or apartment for the whole year Shoot, and only come out on the, and only like, come out to play. They might be like, you ain't prayed ten times a day. We've been looking at you. Bruh. You prayed twice. Mm-mm. Anyway, all m- my dad always says all money ain't good money. So I could I could get both ways though. I don't know. Well, see that, but I said that's for people from the outside looking in. Like, there's already like you know people have already like Saudi Arabia. They have like they're what Saudi Arabia is trying to do. They're trying to start like their kind of sports, their leeway into sports. They already have like a little basketball league. They're starting up right now. Like big time boxer bouts and fights or whatnot. They now happen in like Riyadh with Saudi Arabia or whatnot. You know, like Anthony Joshua. Everybody fights there. Matter of fact, Tyson Fury and um, Nganu, who used to be an MMA star, they're having their boxing match in Saudi Arabia. So what Saudi Arabia is trying to do, they're just trying to attract, like, I think, more, even more tourism. You know what I mean? And look like the face of just, you know, normalcy in sport in the sports world for more people to come. But listen here, that that one point one billion, that is generational wealth. And here's the kicker. Mbappe 
he wants to leave PSG anyway. He wants to leave PSG and play for a club called Real Madrid, right? The only problem is that he'd have to, you know, pay for this transfer fee. Mm-hmm. What this contract would do for him, they're going to cover that that um that fee, that's that $336 million. And so essentially, they're buying out his contract for him. All he has to do is go to Saudi Arabia, collect this $776 million, complete that year, and then after that year, guess what? Go to sign for Real Madrid for however much he wants to. And guess what? If he does go that route, once he signs to Real Madrid, he's going to get another payday. I'm talking about like something north of maybe $400 million. You can't You can't sign for the next one if you're in jail. He ain't going to be in jail. But anyway, anyway, I just wanted to bring that that up because that is the that would be the richest contract in sports ever on earth. Yeah, I mean, and that's a it's a black man. Also, too, shout out to Jalen Brown of the of the Boston Celtics, because they just gave him a three hundred and four million dollar contract, which is now the highest contract in NBA history. So. Shout out to shout out to my black people. Yeah. Getting yeah. this getting this getting this coin, breaking breaking these barriers and and creating history. Yes. And we love the black people and everybody else too. <laughs> why would you say that? Well, be, I say that because like these are especially the NBA and like uh Premier Soccer, like uh you know, these were sport these were these were sports that were looked at like you know, like black people, like they tried to keep black people out. You know what I mean? And they were just looked at as less. And now here we are, like in the future, like these are sports that we couldn't play at one point in time. We couldn't and play now, no sports unless we was in Africa, it looked like. You know, well, I mean, we, we, we had sports, like we had the Negro League and things like that. But, you know, now fast forward, like, you know, the money is just in abundance. It used to be just, there used to be at one point in time where even in football, like, only this the quarterbacks was making the money and then like you know there really weren't any black quarterbacks but if you look around now like that tide has changed you know Let's with Patrick see what Mahomes Mbappe decides man hopefully he picks up that he picks up that billy cuz that's i mean like bro yo children's 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 children can be set with just that one contract that's ridiculous it can be set if you did or in that's jail. ridiculous so but We'll see. Whatever he decides is the right choice. That's what Shout I out like. to Mbappe. I tell you this already. PSG. They already said, yeah, we'll take, we'll accept that fee, the three hundred thirty-six million dollar transfer fee. So now it's just a, like you said, it's up to Mbappe to see what he's gonna do. Alrighty. So, this has been the Crafted Podcast. I am your host, Keonta McDonald, and I am your host, Kristen McDonald. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in with us. Um, Please leave us some comments. Uh, leave us a, a rating, a five star rating, hopefully. And um, also hit the comments and you know let us know if there's a topic that you guys want to talk about, or you know something that you heard that really piqued your interest that you'd like to know more about, or you know, just tell us how we how we did, you know. Or write us on Instagram and give us some topics. I love that. So, all right. As always, um, we'll talk to you guys later. See you next week. God bless you all. <laughs>